today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about workplace performance anxiety. That's right. What are you afraid of? Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Karina Hoyer. We are so glad that you have joined us for this episode on performance anxiety and fear. It's going to be a good one. But before we start... (laughs) I want to acknowledge that we are on the land, the beautiful, glorious, abundant, rich land of the Coast Salish people. And we are here because we are all about some ease, meaning, and joy for women at work. That's what we want. Giddy up. 100%. 100%. And so, yeah. And so if you're afraid of stuff, if you've got workplace performance anxiety, I'm going to say that's not a direct line to ease, meaning, and joy. Exactly. Yeah. We know like when we deal with our fears, who was the guy that says, don't tell me what your goals are for the year. Tell me what you're afraid of and what you want to resolve. I don't know. Maybe Simon Sinek. Maybe t- ah, Tim Ferriss. Oh, yeah. You're, you love Tim, Tim Ferriss. Ferriss. You know, I love all those. They're interesting yeah. people. Oh, my God. So we're going to talk about fears, but also how they manifest at work in this. Mm-hmm, particularly. Pla- in this, like, yeah, workplace performance anxiety specifically, which is kind of a big and rich topic. I'm not going to lie. And for those of you who want to Google it. If you just type in performance anxiety, Mm, be careful, be careful, buyer beware. It's all about, you know, SEX. Yeah. It's all about performance anxiety in the bedroom. Yeah. So we had to dig a little deeper (laughs) for that. Speaking of digging deep though, Kirsten, you were talking about some really interesting female conversation. Oh yeah. I was. Can you bring it? Can you bring it to the listener? I can bring it. I'm going to bring it to the listener because I think it's, it was just, it's something I've been thinking about so much since it happened. I was at breakfast with some friends and we were talking about kind of the word descriptor, the negative, I will say, word descriptor that we came away from our childhood with. And um, for me, it was martyr. You're a martyr. For my, uh, for my other friend, it was, you're a narc. Mm. And the third woman, for her, it was that her anger was unbecoming. Mm-hmm. I was so struck by how female emotions are negativized. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then I thought, I've just been really thinking about that. And I realized, wait a minute. No, before you say wait a minute, I want to make sure I understand yeah. you. Because I understand the like, anger mm-hmm. is unbecoming. unbecoming. What was the emotion? Well, that's what I was just getting to. Okay. Okay. So this is what my, this is why I think this is, I thought I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, my friend who came away with this narc. Yeah. She has this amazing sense of justice and fairness. And I can absolutely see how that would lead her to say, this is the way it is. So-and-so did this. Mm -hmm. And I'll also add that I think they're, I don't think that her family value Uh truth-telling. And she was telling the truth. Right. And they they labeled her a narc. And so in some ways, that label is also her superpower. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then my friend whose, quote, anger was unbecoming. Yeah. I really have this belief, right or wrong, that her anger has re- is really what has allowed her to get her needs met, to find her way through, mm-hmm. to figure out and to push against the system and to energize herself to get what she needs, to get her needs met. Yeah. And I think for me, that whole martyr thing was about me having this sense of service and generosity in the world for sure, because I really want that. Yeah. But also my own discernment about 
not doing things I didn't want to do, mm-hmm. right? Just because I thought I quote unquote should, or I'd make somebody happy. Yeah. And then recognizing sometimes when I'm doing things for others that are hard, why am I doing them? And, and so you're in your conversation at breakfast, you all acknowledged that you had walked away from childhood with some really negative tags. Yes. You believed you were led to believe something about mm-hmm. yourselves that was negative based on the way that you showed up in the world. And kind of our... And how you expressed yourself. Right, how we express ourselves or our emotions, whatever. Yeah. Right. How, yeah, what do you want to call it? And yeah, and it is interesting when you can take that, when you can flip it in your brain and think about, wait a minute, there's something beautiful and glorious about this. What is it in here that is the positive side of the positive edge of that sword, yeah. right? What about you? Like, do you have that image that you come away from your childhood or that word that you come out of your childhood with that is like the thing? I think my childhood, I think I think if I think of my, the like little, little tiny Krina, um, I've always been too, so cute. too much. So cute, little so tiny little, Krina. Little curly hair, little ringlets, little blonde ringlets, but like too much. Like I was always too much of this, too much of this, too loud, da, 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 da. And, it, my, and, I, and my parents did couch it as I was too big for my britches. I mean, I, so that's, I think that Which was- Which is interesting because the too big for your britches strikes me as your leadership, your willingness to step in, to take, to take responsibility, yeah. to guide people, to, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. 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 And, and, and to advocate for my needs. Mm -hmm. And so at a young age, I was pretty convinced that I knew what was right. I knew what I wanted and I deserved to have it. And yeah. And, and that was kind of trained out of me a bit. I mean, yeah, with that exact same thing. And it is interesting because I wonder what's in there for women that's different than men. And for me, I feel like the, a lot of the, the negative, um, emotions are those that we praise in boys or we just accept as, as, as a matter of course. Absolutely. You know, I don't think that we are in a process of change in our culture, Mm -hmm. but negative emotions from women are not okay because they buck the system that has been created where women provide all of this support in terms of family and children and extended family and volunteer work and all the stuff, right? Yeah. It bucks the system. Yeah. 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 Anyway. And it does, I mean, it is interesting. Like we have in the emotions that your friends and you and I just described, we have truth telling and advocacy and anger mm-hmm. and service. And that's but, a, those are glory. Those are beautiful things. There, It's very, and I think at the same time, I think there's probably, certainly for me in that word, there was some good learning. Mm-hmm. Like, don't do what you don't want to do, Kirsten, yeah. one. And two, when you're doing something, you get all wrapped up. Get clear about your purpose. Yeah. Because when you're clear about your purpose and why you're, why you're there, then it creates a lot more ease, frankly. Yeah. And yeah. And that is the difference kind of being the difference between being of service and being a martyr. Right. Well, uh, you know, I. See, the word martyr really means that you don't you don't renounce. You don't give up. Mm. You are so committed to a cause that you will suffer for it. So even the use of I'm I think the use, I'm not even sure the use of the word martyr in that situation was actually accurate, but I think it is helpful in some way. It's been helpful and interesting, you know, just kind of I think I know what the point was. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. 
Interesting conversation. I know. I just want to keep this one rolling. In fact, we can talk about workplace performance anxiety later. We have data for performance anxiety. So we need to get into that because (laughs) that's what we love. (laughs) Yeah, we've already, we did the homework, man. We want credit for the homework on this one. (laughs) Absolutely. Which is, I will go back to what I said. It was really interesting trying to find data because I remember I Googled performance anxiety, workplace performance anxiety, Mm -hmm. female performance anxiety. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking about the other things, which, which, like stage fright and found a little bit more information when I started Googling other things. But I think as a matter of um, clarification or a point of clarification, um, folks should know that really what we're talking about is is frequently referred to as stage fright, mm-hmm. but it's not always applicable when you are in front of a crowd. So it's per- workplace performance anxiety is that fear, the fear about your ability to perform a task you know, and in this case, stage fright, the task is speaking in public. But people experience workplace performance anxiety in so many other areas and arenas. It's not just stage fright. When you have an evaluation, when you're getting your performance review, when you're making a presentation, sometimes meetings, speaking up in meetings, I'm nervous to speak up. Oh my gosh, I've got to go to this. I've got to go to the to our firm's holiday party and I got to make small talk. I'm just nervous about having to do all that. So yeah. it's all of the things where we have to perform. Right. It's really fear about performing. Yeah, it's fear about performing. And symptoms are, you know, what you could imagine, right? When you're experiencing fear, your pulse is racing, your heartbeat. For me, I get flat. Flush. Mm-hmm. My head starts to kind of get hot, like that tingly underneath my hair, dry mouth, tight throat, sweaty, cold hands, right? Like we've all been there. I get this really weird, like almost clenching of my stomach. Uh, and then I feel this electrical charge run all the way up and down my body. Yeah. It's very interesting. <laughs> I'm always like, oh, here you are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hello. Hello. Hello, body. You're I doing it really to me again. I really did not invite you, but <laughs> here you are. And oh, what a surprise. You know, and I, it, it, what's weird too about workplace performance anxiety is that it's often self-fulfilling, right? So once your body triggers it's that fight or flight. It's a freaking avalanche. Yeah, how if you have performance anxiety or if you have stage fright and all of a sudden your stomach, your bowels go, you know, unleash and you're of dry like you're not gonna do a good speech it's i really find that once i get on the path it really is like an avalanche of snow down a mountain it just picks up speed and momentum and gets bigger and bigger and bigger yeah and not being able to manage that for me has resulted i can think of probably at least three maybe a half a dozen if i spend some more time experiences where I really fell flat on my face. Do you want to tell one? Well, I can remember when I was a new lawyer and I was speaking at our firm's um, like annual legal seminar and there were probably, I don't know, 200 people in the audience. And I had this presentation to give and I have done a lot of public speaking. I've spoken for like for political things. I've spoken for school things. I've, I've had a lot of public speaking. And for some reason, I had the things, yeah, the stomach, and then the electricity. And then my voice got wavery, uh-huh. like shaky, yeah. and I couldn't control it. And then it distracted me from what I was saying. Yeah, you know, it was so did you did you literally like was it did was it a major botch job? Um, yeah, 
I'm going to say it was like, it was the kind of thing that when you're sitting in the audience, you think, oh shit, she is nervous. (laughs) I feel so sorry for her. I feel so sorry for her. She is nervous. I don't know why she's nervous. And then, so yeah, I've probably had that happen three times to me over my lifetime. You know what? One of the places that I can distinguish, this happens to me, this happens to me consistently enough now that I um, have actually employed some strategies to Oh, for yeah. myself and others is when we're doing the sitting around the table icebreaker. Oh, that's and, where you get anxiety. Yes. Well, Why? I, get I have no idea. My body just automatically flips into dry mouth. What am I going to say? Panic. I'm probably flush. And I can't even pay attention to what other people are saying because my turn is getting closer and closer and closer. Right. We're like marching around the table. That's so funny. And everyone, I've, just, I've just accepted that I fall flat on my face in the icebreaker. I, I suck at icebreakers. I think it's because I want to be awesome or something. Or I want to be the one who says the funny thing. I have no idea. But my guts like feel like I'm going to puke every time I have to For do it. For the icebreaker. For the stupid freaking so icebreaker. And so I actually started, um, when I'm facilitating a meeting now, I ask people to like, okay, I'm going to ask everyone this. Take a minute and write down your answer. So just like so that we're not like in a panic to not repeat, you know, anyway. But it is interesting because this shit happens to people all the time mm-hmm. and in so many different environments. And it's so, there was a great study, which has now referenced about a million different places mm-hmm. that was done back in what 2019 2019 yeah. and it was oddly done by the royal academy of dramatic art and they studied like a thousand workplaces in business though oh in business so the royal academy of dramatic arts has a wing division blah, 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 whatever they're called that works with businesses which i find very interesting and this is a study they did of a thousand workers workplaces work was it the whole workplaces yeah it was a thousand workplaces thank goodness we both are together i know because we it's a complete brain together we have the whole thing yeah anyway and it was all about workplace anxiety and they address some of those problems needs trainings whatever oh i see okay so rada rada which is the acronym mm-hmm. we like acronyms. Okay. Yes. So they did this study and it was informing their own work with workplaces as well. And they found that the group that they surveyed agreed that they were most likely to experience workplace performance anxiety in a job interview. That so makes that sense. Makes sense totally right? Makes sense. Yeah. It's, the spotlight's turned on you. You have to perform and there's a lot at stake mm-hmm. where you're going to, and you, you have to, convince us to hire you right but it's not just that uh the next most um the next most i have no idea what i don't even know what sentence i'm starting i'm trying to start here help me out um okay so also asking for a pay raise yep or dealing with disagreements or complaint ranked second and third respectively so interviewing for a job asking for a raise dealing with disagreements or complaints conflict right yeah after that it's the delivering the big pitch, the big speech, the big presentation. Yeah. Right. Which most of us don't do, you know, very often, a couple of times a year. And lastly, I love this one, work-related socializing. Yeah. Yes. Which again is one of my things. Mm-hmm. And, 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 but I think it's interesting because what they just said, all of those things that you just listed 
you know, kind of a lot of those things that you just listed happen every once in a while. Interviews, you're not doing those every day. Um, You're not doing a major presentation every day, but dealing with, and you're not asking for a pay raise every day, right? But the the daily things, the things that, what's interesting to me is that there's other shit in there, like dealing with disagreements and complaints or socializing. That's like, those are regularly occurring things in the workplace that are dry, getting us all spun around the axle. So most people experience something in the workplace every week. One in five people experience some kind of workplace performance anxiety more frequently. Um, it's interesting because what I, what at least what I found interesting was the the folks who are more senior in the workplace mm-hmm. actually have more anxiety producing performance, like performance anxiety producing events than people who are not as high up in the company, not a senior. Mm -hmm. Junior people have more than those below them. It's very interesting because you would think that, oh, the more experience you get, the more you, the higher, the the more responsibility that you can develop these skills. Not true. No. Not true. So which I really appreciated because it's like we are all human yeah wherever you are you're human it's gonna come yeah yeah and i think that's interesting too when we were reading through this the thing that then my brain started to think about was imposter syndrome like i think as as you get higher and higher up the ladder you're up there going shit stakes are high man and these people think i'm they think i can do it they think i can do it i don't know i can't and you get all freaking weird which is why i was hounding you the other day about Imposter syndrome. And, yes, and, which we're going to talk about in another episode. Yeah. Because it's think, a good, good topic. Yeah, we particularly have. Particularly for women. But I do want to talk about the gender differences in workplace anxiety. Mm-hmm. This was the other thing that RADA, the RADA study daylighted. And what was interesting for me was I, men experience anxiety in the same places that I do more regularly. Which is not surprising to me. <laughs> I, okay, I want you to say more about that, but I will just say male employees are 45% more likely than women to feel anxious when socializing mm-hmm. with their work colleagues, which I already said this is me, and then and also having to make small talk with yep. their colleagues gets everybody gets all the men much more. Gets small cranked up. And team building activities. Which just is hysterical. Yeah. Th- that's where the men get all uh, wrapped around the axle. And then women are more um, anxious about job interviews and negotiating pay raises and advocating for themselves and having their voices um, heard in meetings, et cetera. So why that, that, that was kind of, yeah. What? In some ways it makes, there are these, we have allocated responsibility in our society, including at work to the genders and women are responsible for community. Right. So all of the things like um, small talk and socializing and team building that men feel more uncomfortable with. Yeah. Women feel more comfortable with it because we've been allocated that duty of community building for millennia. Right. And we we also have 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 assigned the duty of performance to men. Now, I'm not saying we're not changing, and this doesn't apply to everybody, because I think for you, you are far more comfortable in that performance place, right? Mm-hmm. And like, say for, exa- say for example, than me probably, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not surprised by the data, 
frankly. No, I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. surprised by the mm-hmm. data. And I think it's really consistent with how we, um, what's that word I'm looking for? Make assumptions about gender. Yeah. Because there's some truth in that. Yeah. But it is interesting. That I think the thing that was funny to me was your statement there about like how <laughs> that, how you... <laughs> how that makes sense to you about me. Cause you know, I think I know everything about myself and then I'm surprised. That oh, I'm not I have other women. watched you. Do you remember when you, um, when you received that award? Um, yeah. Uh, what was it called again? That environmental heroes, the environmental award. heroes award. That's it. I can't remember. forgot the word, forgot the title. I watched you prepare for and make that speech. Mm-hmm. And it was like, um, I'm not saying it was taking a walk, but you did it with such ease and you were so confident. You know, I would have been like so anxious about it and mm-hmm. there would have been so much pressure and I would have felt so obligated to do whatever. Um, that's one of the things I was like, holy shit, that's amazing. Uh, so that's what I mean. That perform, like do I you was, see what yeah. I mean by yeah. like the difference? That's, you know, I think that you have, because uh, at, from the beginning- because you're too big for your britches, mm-hmm. right? There, yeah. There it all is. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Isn't that, that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm over here, like basically want to barf when somebody wants to have small talk with me because <laughs> I'm so nervous about it. Right. Which is also weird because why, like what the, this, you, the emotions that are behind this mm-hmm. anxiety is also so interesting yep right why are we getting so anxious what are we afraid of what are we afraid Mm -hmm. of well it turns out here's what we're afraid of according to rada yeah lay it on us i'll look or sound stupid yeah that's the biggest thing 32.9 percent beer Mm -hmm. i'll start speaking and i'll lose my train of thought yeah 23 percent i.e i'll look stupid Mm -hmm. i will say yes to something I want to say no to. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. 20%. Mm-hmm. People will think less of me. That's 18. And I'm going to stop doing percentages because they're getting too close. People will realize I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. I will get talked over or my ideas will be shot down. I'll say too much and for too long. I'll let people down. Not being able to tell my boss I have too much to do and can't cope. My voice will let me down and I will sound weak. Well, that would be my first I'll lose my job. I will make someone else look bad or uncomfortable, or I won't be promoted. And here's what I find so fascinating about this list. Like the things that matter are that you'll lose your job yeah, or that you won't get promoted. Um, and I would argue you'll make somebody else look bad is also pretty bad. Yeah. But those are the lowest things on the list. The other things are really about our ego. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think comes from our need to be part of the tribe. To be accepted. Mm-hmm. To be liked. Yeah. To not sound stupid. Or yes. to not be, th- for people think yes. we're stupid. And people think good think good things of you. Right. That's why I, when we're going around the round table, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be the funny one in the room and I don't have anything You're witty supposed to, to be say. Witty. Exactly. I don't You're have supposed anything to be witty, witty to say at the and icebreaker. Smart and quick. Yeah. Right? Now I'm, you're going to think I'm stupid. That's the difference. Yeah. Karina, I've never established that reputation. <laughs> I always, oh no, in the icebreaker, I I mean, I always goof up the icebreaker. People know to expect nothing of me for the icebreaker. Okay. I'm Kirsten. I'm from, (laughs) I'm from Bellingham. (laughs) 
And I don't even answer the full question most of the time. Yeah, half the time. Okay, and so... I'm like, I had, oh, I forgot to tell you what my favorite movie is. Whatever, I don't care. And so you're looking at your sound, yeah, the... And maybe in your example of the speech, too, you kind of had some of those same fears, right? Like a new, you're new in your job and you were presenting to your peers and you let yourself get all. And also, I just got carried away with it. Yeah. yeah. Right. It was like it's the avalanche started and I just couldn't stop it. Yeah. 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 And and I think that leads to kind of why these things are happening Mm -hmm. for sure. Right. Like Mm -hmm. we said before. It's a reoccurring or it's like your brain starts to flip into fight or flight and then it just becomes a self-fulfilling. Then it's just then you're there. Right. Mm-hmm. You are your psychological. You start operating with your reptilian brain and all of your executive function goes out the mm-hmm. window and you just start to churn. And we read a great article uh, in Forbes and the, the author wrote that we're programmed to seek psychological safety. Right. First, number one, which I love because that was also part of our team's episode. Yeah. Psychological safety has kind of come mm-hmm. up a lot lately. And we need validation from others. And so when we're threatened with exposure, right, when we're threatened by this very real possibility that I'm going to look or sound stupid, then he writes, perfectly civilized business meetings can short circuit into vicious gladiatorial arenas. I just think that's so funny, Mm -hmm, right? Like that's what our brains are telling us. And to arrest that pattern, that's where the magic is Mm -hmm. to really be able to flip that switch in your brain and go calm down, Krina. It's okay. If you don't remember the thing, because when you don't do that, the impact is really significant as I have articulated, you can just, as they say, shut the bed, right? Yes, yeah. And we also know that prolonged, like, performance, workplace anxiety really undermines the effectiveness of teams, right? Because, of course, if there's no psychological safety, then we don't have good teams. Yeah. Um, it also undercuts productivity, yep. efficiency, yep. all the things, Yeah. right? Yes. In fact, the same RADA study, which is, like I said, kind of the Bible of this now, says... Even one in 10 people have considered resigning. One in five people admit to being less productive or calling in sick because Which of workplace so anxiety. It, people call in sick because of workplace anxiety. Yeah. This is big. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal. And and we also know what ongoing stress can do to our bodies. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's not good. It's bad. It is not B-A-B good. B A B bad. Is it a high cortisol level when you're or yes, low cortisol? High, high. high cortisol. When you're yeah. constantly in that stress state, it's and high cortisol. And when you overproduce cortisol, it has all those negative effects. And then after a while, your little cortisol machine gets all tired and just can't even produce cortisol when it's supposed to. That's your adrenals, you know, right? That's yeah. adrenal fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. Where where did that come from, KB? Okay. Let's get back you to the You got something you want to talk tell no, us no, about? No, no, no. I just want to talk about the tips to deal with our performance anxiety so you don't end up where I did, which is like just creating a mess. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what is, what are your, what do you think your, your kind of go-tos are? Okay. So here are my go-tos and I'm going to just use the public speaking piece because that's frankly where I experience it the most. Although I also experience it when I'm with a client and the stakes are high, mm-hmm. and there's little I can do for the client. Uh, so if I'm in a meeting with the client's employer, 
And which doesn't happen very often. But when it does happen, I'm like, there's just sometimes very little I can do. And so that gives me anxiety. Like I'm here to be of help. I want to be of service. I want to get make this better. But I don't have the skills. That gives me anxiety too. Mm -hmm. But here's what I do. Wait a second. Can we talk about a couple more examples? Because I'm curious. This is is really interesting to me. You were just saying that. And I thought, you know what? Another place I experience workplace anxiety is when the conversation is beyond me. Oh yeah, that's well. That's kind of what it is. I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've noticed that too. Like I'm as a consultant, I'm often in meetings where acronyms are being thrown around, or I don't. I'm not part of this language or this crew, or I don't know the ins and outs, or the people you're talking about. I don't know. Like everything from like I feel like a slight outsider here to oh my gosh, I should probably know what we're talking, what we're talking about. And I don't. Right. So like when a conversation is beyond me and I get weird and, and can't focus, which makes it worse. Yes. I, I can see that, but I also see you being really good about calling out assumptions. Mm, mm-hmm. Like you often call out assumptions. And so I can see how that skill of calling out assumptions, well, wait a second, what are we, what is that? Ta-da-da-da. You know, you're really good at grounding everything back in. Right. Because if I don't, if it gets away from me, then I then get, you have that weird feeling. Then I can't, and then I'm, yeah. and then I'm in the smack dab in the middle of anxiety and I can't. So you have focus. found some ways to deal with that. Yeah. yeah. I think that is. It's mm-hmm. to like time out everybody. I am not keeping up here and I feel like I need to. That's a pretty and you check in about the assumptions everybody's making uh-huh. with definitions, uh-huh. processes, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Right? Yeah. 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 Anyway, I typically just blow by the assumptions. You do? Oh, just blow. Oh, my God. I'm just like, whatever. Is this really important? And it turns out often it is. So I probably <laughs> need to like be a little bit more clear about that. But for me, when I do my I always talk about the public speaking piece. Yeah. Um, I do really prepare I get my thoughts together. Mm-hmm. I, I write down exactly what I want to say. I say it over and over again. I'll practice it. Uh-huh. Um, if it's a big thing, I'll even practice in the mirror. And then I'll get to the place where I can, I have all the words, but I have an outline on the side. So I just trigger the words. And, you know, I'll get about 80% of what I want to say out. And I've learned just to be happy with that. I'm also really careful about time. Like Uh I don't schedule meetings before so I can settle myself. Right. So I can like get a glass of water. I can take a deep breath. I can brush my hair. You know, I just don't get, I can take some time to go over my stuff and ground myself and get really clear. And this has been the most effective thing for me. All of this stuff is like just, you know, good self-care, right? Yeah. I get, make sure I'm not hungry, make sure I'm not all jacked up on caffeine, yes. all of those things. I really focus on what is the thing I want to say here? hmm what is the purpose for me getting up to speak? Why did I agree to do this? Yeah. Maybe it's to talk about justice. Yeah. Maybe it's to talk to people about their power. Whatever it is, uh-huh. I get really clear about why I'm there. Mm-hmm. And then once I get clear about that, it's part of that mindfulness. Yeah. That then I'm like, well, this is freaking important. Like, I really care about this. Yeah. And I'm ready to go because I'm not going to let my silly stomach get in the way of this. So it's almost like I just hurdle over it. Got it. Yeah. It's interesting because my husband has recently had recently um, interviewed for jobs. Mm-hmm. And in advance of those interviews, 
I was pushing him to be ultra pre- prepared. Mm-hmm. Like I was peppering questions of course you all were. the time, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're 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 coaching him. Yeah. And I was like, like, sit down. What's your answer to this? Give me a scenario to this. Da, da, da. Like, bam, 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 bam. And he finally said, you're making me so nervous. I don't want to be do any more preparation. So his response Interesting. was to not prepare. prepare. To like have to do enough and then just like forget about it, like clear his mind. He had to like clear his mind for like 24 hours. And I was not allowed to ask him any questions. If it were me, I would have people peppering me with practice questions up until the like minute I walked into the interview. Yeah. Just so it was all on the tip of my tongue. So his response, his way of dealing with it, it was is complete opposite opposite of anything that I'd ever done. And frankly, what I think you just described yep. as well. Does it work for him? It did. He got he got a new job. It's great. He was fine. It is so good to remember, like of all of these things to do, like yeah. his downtime yeah. is 24 hours. Yeah. He doesn't want to be all jacked up. I don't like to be preparing my speech in the hour before I do it. No. Like I'm like, then I get all like, I'm not, I can't do it. I'm not going to be able to do it well. Yeah. So we do all have the things that we need to manage these situations. You, you know, just the have, individual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to just know what they are for yourselves. Yep. I think another place that I get anxiety is when things are in chaos. So if I have to like go into my office and complete a set of tasks, I get very anxious when I, when things are not in order. Like I need truly in order to perform and perform well and not get, you know, have all of these mm-hmm. responses. I need order. And I remember talking to a friend of mine who literally their office looked like a hoarder's house, you know, with little t- pathways through the paper. Clearly don't need order. They, and and I was like, it would drive me crazy. I would not know even how to start, you know, because I wouldn't know where to find anything. And he said, having these in file folders would drive me crazy. I wouldn't know where to find anything. You know, and it's kind of that same thing. Like, yeah, everybody has their own way. You just got to figure it out. There are also, though, some things that, according to science, really do matter, like sleep and hydration, right? Yes. You don't want to pull an all-nighter and show up no. dehydrated to your big no. to the big show. Mm-mm. Also, what about the daily, the day-to-day stuff? I mean, what we're talking about is like, Preparing for the big interview or for the big speech, but or the presentation or whatever. Yeah, but if you're one of one of the people who regularly experience workplace anxiety in you know casual situations or in meetings or whatnot, you know I'm trying to think of how how do you get in front of that. So I don't get anxious for small talk and social events. Mm-hmm. I realize that I'm going to be called on. Like I realize that there's going to be an expectation. So I feel the expectation. It's not like I'm like super psyched about it. Like yeah. I know that something is going to be demanded of me. Um, but I like I have all these topics Questions I ask people, I'll check and see what's going on in the news so that I have things to talk about, whether it's at like a firm social event or whether I'm going somewhere to a meeting with a bunch of people I haven't seen in a long time. And I know that I'm going to have 10 minutes before we sit down. I do like just have this list of things. I started doing it when I had my first, I was home with kids for a little bit. Mm. Right after I had my second baby, I was home for six months when we moved to, we moved here to Bellingham. And so I was a stay-at-home mom for six months. I was still doing some contract work, but I'd go to these parties and people would say, what do you do? Mm. And I'd say, well, I'm home with the kids. And they would literally turn their back on me. 
and move to somebody else. I mean, it wasn't quite that fast, but I used to then go to parties armed with like, what did I read in the New Yorker? What was in the Atlantic? And uh-huh. what was happening in town? So I think that little lesson I learned with kids, you know, when I was yeah. a stay-at-home mom yeah. for six months, translated into being prepared for all these everyday things yeah. that come up. I uh, I love that. I love the idea of a list of topics that are just going to be good conversation starters. I think being curious and being willing to listen to other people is also a really good tip. You don't... Well, the that's number, the whole point. Yeah, Everybody the, wants to talk about yeah, I was gonna themselves. Say the just number, get them going. If you're nervous about social situations, just ask one or two really good questions and then just listen. Yes. Because that's what people... Yeah. You'll be the star of the show. Nobody will know anything about you. That was one of my, that is actually one of my tricks too. And, too. and in fact, it wasn't until I hung out with you. This is what's so <laughs> funny. And I am not joking. When the, one of the first times Kirsten and I started to kind of really dig into each other's lives, she, you were asking me, we were having cocktails. Mm-hmm. It was at a bar. So it was we having early cocktails. in our um, friendship. Um, before I think we'd ever kind of showed up at each other's houses and you were asking me question after question after question. And I remember saying, wait, I don't know how to do this. I'm supposed to be the one asking all the the questions. questions. I remember you saying that. This is weird. And I just laughed. I was like, oh, yeah. And you're like, yeah, me too. And now (laughs) turns out, yeah, two superpowers, like wonder twin powers. Now we ask each other really hard questions and good questions. Yeah. Yeah. Being curious that also helps in those social situations. Mm I think the other, the final one though, is this notion of sort of being heard or speaking up. And I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to provide any insider tips when you are a woman and you're sitting in a meeting and you're feeling anxious about what you need to say other than the, the body uh, work, you know, like the sitting up, mm-hmm. being big, taking a deep breath, taking a deep breath, opening up your arm, like the power pose kind yep. of stuff, settling yourself uh-huh. into that power pose. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah. So that you, your voice doesn't waver so that you have the confidence that you feel like you need so that you're able to, which is, you know, FYI, don't start with an apology. Oh my goodness. Right? Yes. Cause that that's, that's part of the avalanche, right? Yeah. 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 And is that avalanche thing? Does that, is that, understandable no like, that yes you all of a sudden you're just consumed yes like you it start starts this, this little, little bit and they just go yeah just totally takes over yeah yeah i would also yes the, and before yeah you got to get get out in front of this before the avalanche starts to fall mm-hmm. and that also may mean taking a walk like you said doing some self-care etc recognizing what you is about to happen likely about to happen and what you need in order to arrest it i really think that is that is absolutely the key to this Mm. because the whole thing about performance anxiety is this physical manifestation of these fears that we articulated mostly related to our ego. Yeah. Right. And so what you just said is that is performance anxiety is your body. Yeah. Right. So that's the solution is managing your body, supporting your body, changing the response of your body so that you can really be in the moment to do what it is you need to do without being distracted by all these weird things happening in your body. Yes. Right? Yes. I love it. And I just love this, like, that we're now couching this in the ever scientific term, weird stuff happening in your body. That's how I feel. That is exactly... It's weird stuff happening in your body. weird stuff out of control. And they should have said that in the RADA report. I know. Did they? They probably did. No, they didn't. They were very serious. (laughs) 
Thanks for doing this subject with me. I can't wait to also talk about imposter syndrome, though, because sisters, you know, you felt it. I felt it. You felt it, Kirsten. Oh, my gosh. I have great stories for my sister and I to talk about imposter syndrome. Oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. A, vet, a lawyer and a veterinarian. More to come. More, more to, to come, come. listeners. Okay. More, about ease, more about how to create some ease, meaning, and joy in your life by dealing with some of these things that get in the way. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 